All right, what's up, brothers? We're live. This is a playing to win episode, originally scheduled, as you can see by the thumbnail and title, with uh, Nomad Capitalist and Andrew Henderson. Uh, we have a no show tonight, unfortunately, but the show must go on. So I'm going to do this as a Q&A for you guys. Um, it's nine Eastern Standard, just after nine. I'm going to grab the StreamYard link. So you may pile in and ask me any question you'd like. Um, you can drop questions in the chat, super chat them, whatever you want. So uh, we'll rapid fire this and run this for about 60 minutes. Uh, before you guys pile in, I got a DM here from a guy that I want to deal with. Um, so it'll be the first question. I'm going to link him the video because um, I hate reading these messages from guys in this situation. Um, okay, I'm going to try to water this down so it doesn't um, reveal too much detail for him because this is a difficult one for this dude. Um, guys, the link is in the StreamYard. Sorry, the link is in the chat. So if you want to hit that and join in and ask a question, make sure you've got like a wired microphone um, with a setup like this or the Bluetooth earbuds. So it comes in nice and crisp and clear and you've got a good solid connection. If you click through and the audio sucks or there's problems with it, I'm going to pull you back out. So make sure you got yourself a good connection and um, earphones and some sort of microphone connected to it. I'm just going to read this to you rather than show you the screen because I don't want to show the name. Um, Chris, I'll get to you in just one second. Hey, I'm extremely depressed. Uh, daily um, thinking about taking permanent steps to a temporary solution sort of thoughts. If you guys can read between the lines, I have to watch my language here. <clears throat> my wife has become a psycho and doesn't understand reality. I've supported her, but also stood my ground on a few things. Bottom line is she won't sleep with me. She won't discuss it. She has zero drive. She's a vegan, and if I ever think of bringing any of these issues up, she'll literally kick me out and take away my kid. This is not typical in any sense of any woman I've ever met and been with, and we are married. I'm trying to do this for my family. I wasn't going to message you, but my I'm going to skip that part. Uh, somebody referred him over to me. Uh, I think she obviously has a mental issue for real, and there's no way I would be able to bring that up. I just don't know what to do anymore. I'm basically completely out of motivation, and I only see one way out. Uh, basically, we got married recently. She turned vegan, had a kid. After that, uh, it's been a nightmare. She also put on weight. Uh, will not do any type of workouts. Okay, so... Dude is married and in a very depressed state. Uh, the kid is small, so I'm missing some information here. So I'm going to give you something to start with, at least something to begin with. Generally speaking, guys, things like this are deserved of booking a one-on-one -on -one coaching call. Um, let me grab the banner so you guys know where to find me for that. I don't put these up very much anymore. Where are they? It's here. Uh, you can also request a video by going to entrepreneursandcars.com forward slash request and I can do the topic on it. You can give me some more insight on it. But uh, with what you've given me here, you're married, child is small, she's pulled the pin on the fat grenade and become large, uh, doesn't want to hear anything from you and is using sex as a bargaining position. Um, this is 
the starting point for this is what Ryan Stone would use uh, typically is FU or, or F me or FU. You know, it's as simple as that. That's a starting point. You've, of course, got to be valuable enough for her to want to uh, enter that frame. So I don't know enough about you, don't know what you do for a living, don't know what your physical state in, is, is looking like. I really am missing a lot of information. So to offer you realistic advice on a scenario like this is quite difficult, but you should definitely do something to remedy the scenario. And that might mean leaving the marriage. That might mean taking some um, interesting steps to motivate her to come back and re-enter who she might have been before you got married. I'm assuming things changed dramatically for some reason, but um, I'll give you that for now. So there's a link below if you want to uh, book me one-on-one. -on -one. So Chris, we got some guys piling in here on the chat. Let me grab the super chat real quick here. Uh, appreciate the donation. What does he say here? Think like the 1%. Uh, what's the best way to get women out of your house that doesn't want to leave and threatens to commit suicide? <laughs> Well, you guys are coming at me with big problems today. Um, assuming that you haven't lived together that long, it should be as simple as changing the locks on the front door when she's out at work and leaving her crap on the front porch. There might be some legal consequences if she's common law with you, meaning you guys are viewed by the state as a married couple, even if you're not married. So here, for example, after a certain period of time, I think it's either two or three years, I can't recall right now, but after you live together with somebody for a certain period of time, the state views it as common law and she's entitled to half your stuff and you can't throw her out of the house. So there's that to consider. Um, pretty simple if it's under common law, check with a family lawyer to make sure first, but I would just, when she's out, get the locks changed, crap on the front porch and let the police know uh, if she becomes a problem to remove her from your property. That's what I would be doing. Um, what's up, Ryan? My brother Ryan in the chat right there. Okay, Chris, let me pull you in first because uh, you entered the waiting area. Uh, what's up, dude? Hey, mate, how are you? Just want to yeah, say thanks for uh, thanks for your channel. Really appreciate it. I guess um, my my thought is, and I'm just seeing it recently so much now. Um, will simping get worse, or in this pandemic, or will it actually? Do you think it'll get? I don't know where to from here. Just as I don't obviously see it myself, but I find it fascinating, I guess. And um, um, yeah, here. I know. Okay, hang on a sec. Let me. Um, can you can you just kill your uh, video feed because I'm having a hard time hearing you? Yeah. Yeah. Sure. Yeah. Just kill that. See if that cleans yeah, up. Yeah, that's fine, so, mate. Yeah. Okay. So say that. So what's the question? I guess my question is: I find the whole simp uh, issue real. I guess fascinating, um, and just I don't understand. I can't understand why any guy would throw money at women who they don't even know, let alone lust over them. But mm. during this pandemic, I've noticed this in my opinion, I've noticed it's gotten worse. Um, but will, will it ever end? Or what's your thoughts on that? No, it's getting worse. I was actually thinking about this earlier today, like the level of simping has reached biblical proportions. Um, guys are throwing money at women that they have no chance, no hope in hell and even meeting face to face. Um, with the intention of hopefully meeting them face to face and maybe exchanging, you know, their financial interests in them or their donations for a date or maybe more. Um, I mean, some guys just want to be uh, financial slaves and they'll just throw money at women because um, they get off on it. 
there's actually a, a, a chunk of the male population that actually gets off on being abused by women, but it's not big. It's, it's, it's probably single digit percentage or even smaller. Um, see the problem that we have today versus what was happening a thousand years ago, we've got more incels today. We've got more of these black pill guys. We've got more of the simping going on because previously in the past, it was always the survival of the fittest. Now we live in a globalist, uh, liberalist sort of environment and everybody is tried is, you know, we try to protect and preserve them, which is why we have more of these guys doing things like simping, you know, on biblical levels. So I don't think it's going to get any better, you know, so long as we continue to, um, support that narrative, it's, it's going to be like this and probably worse in my view. Anyway, it's an interesting question though. Yeah. I was just, uh, like this, like, to be honest, I'm being the best version of myself. Um, I met a high quality woman as well. Uh, you know, she's, she's doing her own thing, living her life and we, we come together and have something good. So, um, I'm trying to like, you know, I guess learn, have the best of both worlds, but to be honest, I, I know some black people guys that are like no relationship. I don't want to relationship for me. I want a relationship, but it's gotta be, um, I guess my turn. So yeah, it's, it, it is, it's an yeah. interesting time to be a man and date and, I have also pre been previously divorced. So, you know, I went through the that and went through the cleaners. So I think that's what made me red take the red pill and be aware because before I was definitely, you know, the that blue pill well, male and yeah, that's, living that that's that the unique full stream, component of that say. environment is if you're a top shelf guy and you're at least in the top twenty, ideally ten, five, you you know, the smaller percentage of the demographic that you're in, meaning as far as looks, money, game, status, and all that sort of stuff, um, you're pretty much spoiled for choice. It's comply or goodbye. You know, you're going to set the, you know, you're going to draw a perimeter around your boundaries. And if she steps out of them, it's see you later, right? You know, because you don't have any problems as a guy like that. So um, simping, simping will offset that. But at the end of the day, these women, they don't want anything to do with these guys. Like they're not, they're not going to sleep at night pining for, like there's no simp that's alpha widowing a hot woman it mm. just doesn't happen you know what i'm saying yeah definitely anyway <laughs> thanks again for your time um yeah. rich and yeah love love the channel and like i said just any advice to any other males out there just and it's i've been listening for again last couple of years two or three years since i did go through that divorce and i'm like wow you know um i live in australia so probably like canada where basically and i and i have a and i have a, a young daughter so i got put i worked hard I had an investment property at 20 years old, um, always had property, but yep, go through the cleaners and walked out with basically, you know, my dignity and, you know, the, you made it. the shirt on my back per se. And, you made and it, I'm working up to, yeah, get, get back there. But, you know, it, it is a, yeah, there's no point hanging around in a, in a bad marriage if, you know, it's not good. And yeah, basically the, uh, the Nile River's dried up. Like that was basically it for me, yeah. you know. Gotcha. <laughs> so right, I, 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 I got out of there. Take care, mate. All the best. Thanks, bro. All right. Let me grab the super chat real quick from Santiago. Uh, Christian, I'll pull you in next. Uh, Chris, I'm just going to pull you out of the green area just to make some space. Uh, for those of you guys that are coming in, uh, had a no show tonight. So we're going to do the show anyway as a live Q&A for about an hour. So uh, I've dropped the join link. Let me just do it one more time for anybody that's come in. Post that. You can you can hop on the stream and we can uh, shoot the breeze. You can ask a question. Um, where was that super chat I missed up there? Santiago. Uh, thank you, Rich. Celebrating two-year anniversary of my freedom. Divorce. Chasing excellence. It's been the best years of my life. 
Amazing. I love hearing those success stories. Steve, uh, was there a moment that changed you? I see you in the uh, green room, Steve. So I'll, I'll, I'll chat with you live on that one. Thanks for the super chat. Uh, Christian, let me just make sure I got all these. Yeah. Okay. Christian, we'll pull you in next. What's up, dude? What's up, brother? Just want to say uh, thanks for all that you've done. Um, love you and what Rolo do. And nice, my man. question to you is uh, basically, um, you seem like a guy that doesn't really give an F about anything. You know, you've achieved that status. And I don't want to, the worst thing, in my opinion, than being blue pill is being a red pill masturbator, so to speak. So how is it that you put the red pill to action? Because that's one thing that I want to do on being on my purpose, but I have trouble doing. So how have you done it in the past? And how can, what would you give a young guy like me at 24 some advice for? And that, that, what do you mean? What do you mean by putting it into action? Like, what are you stuck on? Like, what's holding you back here? So one of the things that I'm very stuck on is like, okay, I know, like I see a girl at the gym or whatever. I was one of the guys that posted a lot of stuff in the Super Chat about gym game from the last Rule Zero. So mm -hmm. when you see that girl at the gym, how do you like muster the confidence or grab yourself on the ball, so to say, and actually go up to her, talk, and even on your purpose, just being like, I guess, on your purpose. You know what I mean? Yeah. Um... Okay, so I'm a little bit different than you because I'm obviously older. Um, I don't, I don't really play games, um, and we had a difference of opinion on that last rule zero. You know, Myron and um, Myron was big about um, going to another gym and scheduling a time that you normally. I actually agree with you more, to be honest. So that's why. Yeah, I, I just don't see it as a good use of your time, but I get the strategy that that he's using. So I'm not saying that to disparage him. I'm just saying that I wouldn't approach it that way, if you know what I'm saying. Um, but to your earlier question, which is what I wanted to get back to rather than the specifics of the gym thing is you apply it to every area of life, you know, like yesterday when that chick, Tommy, whatever the hell her name was, was going on about guys being boyish men or whatever it was. Yeah. Um, you, you have to understand a lot of guys look at somebody like that and like, oh, she's a trad con beauty. And she's, you know, like, how do I find a woman like that? But it's like, when you listen to her call all, all men trash, you realize, okay, there's feminism in all women. Okay. Even the right. ones that say that they're not feminist or that they're traditional conservative or they love Donald Trump or whatever. Feminism is very convenient for all women when it's useful for them. Right. Let's yeah. point and sputter and shame men for not marrying me. Right. So mm -hmm. you start to see it in more than just basic areas of life, like approaching or you know, what motivates women to do sort of things like all that desire dynamic and stuff like that. You'll see it in the news. You'll see it in the way the um, financial markets work. You'll see it, you know, in the way that Bitcoin has, has been introduced as a new type of currency. That's, um, I mean, it's not fighting with fiat currency right now, but fiat currency is still dominant. Like the U S dollar is still the reserve currency in the world sort of thing. Right. So, right you start to apply that lens to many other areas of life. And that's where the real use comes in my view, right? It's, it's, it, it, it should never be limited to just, you know, unplugging from the matrix and being like, Oh, now I understand what drives desire with women. And I know how to approach and I know how to deal, you know, with, you know, uh, negging and, you know, amuse mastery and all these like cool terms yeah. that you learn kind of right. along the way. That's just like the tip of the iceberg. This is, this is a adoption of a new worldview that you use for everything does that make sense yeah no especially because i graduated college two years ago and i had to take one of these feminist courses and obviously i was one of the few that wasn't buying their you know their bs mm -hmm. and 
literally when I was listening to everything about the red pill, I listened to Rolo's book probably like three times already. Everything. Yeah, I've probably listened to it about five or six times. There's a lot in there. It's dense. Very much so. But I just want to say thank you for everything that you've done, man. Um, you're the probably one of those alpha guys out there, and thank Thanks. you for everything that you've done. Yeah, I appreciate it, man. Thank you. See you, brother. All right, uh, Steve, I'll pull you in a sec. Let me grab the super chat here. Uh, Alexander says, ah, nomad, ca nomad capitalist, entrepreneur's cars, and crossover. Yes, uh, if you're just arriving, guys, he didn't make it to the live show, so I'm doing a straight-up Q&A uh, for the hour, so about another 45 minutes of it. If you have a question, let me drop it here in the chat. The show must go on. Um, I've got it scheduled. i got the time carved out, so let's do this. I'm not sure what the conflict was. Maybe we'll... Uh, reschedule it, or maybe I just got ghosted. Who knows? Who cares? Uh, Steve, you're up, buddy. How you doing, man? I'm doing well, Rich. How are you, man? Yeah, I was shaking. Uh, not much. It's uh, you know what I gotta say. It's real nice that even when you know you do get bailed on, that you're still uh, still there for the community. You know it. Uh, you know there's a lot of guys who do need the help. I see it in the uh, the comments and everything. And it's uh, you know it's really cool that you've kind of got that uh, that voice for. Uh, you know, for the, I guess the, I guess I read the unsilent majority now or read the majority. I'm not sure. <laughs> I'm neither. Honestly, dude, I, I have, I have no pull. I, I mean, if the president of the, of the United States can't put up a wall, what kind of pull do you think I have really? You know, I just kind uh, of try to try to hit what I can influence. If you know what I'm saying? No, but it's good. It resonates. It resonates. And, uh, no, I did want to say like, um, like the first few times I tried to contact you, you know, I wasn't, uh, not that I wasn't at my best self, but, uh, you know, I have my, my ups and downs, you know, a little bit. So, um, I appreciate you not, uh, you know, being too hard on me and, uh, you know, responding to all my messages. You know, I know what, uh, you must get a lot of guys just, you know, bombarding. Well, I get a lot with, of DMs, uh, so don't, yeah. you know, don't take it personally if I don't. So I'll get, no, no, no. The, the fact that you responded, uh, you know, means a lot, right. There's, uh, there's times as, you know, I wouldn't say, I, I'm not a big towel. I am not a, I, I don't even like the labels that uh, the guys are using nowadays, you know, or the, the terminology. Uh, I, I don't get me wrong. I love dropping bombs, bomber command. Uh, you got to stick with that. But um, I just had found that my sexual marketplace value was, uh, was above what these, I don't, I don't even know what you call them, fives and sixes, were were wanting they wanted this this six you know all the sixes six foot tall oh, you yeah, know well, six foot long you know whatever but well that's you what know, hypergamy is right like it's dating up right like you'll you'll notice if you watch the video that i did yesterday again on that tommy check she's not that hot oh right? that was like great yeah you know it's like lipstick and makeup on a pig it's still <laughs> it's still a pig right i'm not saying she's a pig i mean she's i mean she's a reasonably attractive woman but well, with the honest, makeup on, <laughs> with the makeup, with the hair, with the clothes, like she's not curvy. She doesn't look feminine, you know, to me, I wouldn't even swipe right on her, you know, to be honest with you. Right. Mm. But somebody like that, she's talking about guys not doing what she wants, not valuing value. You know, it was one of the other things that she says, like, <laughs> like guys care what your degree is. Guys care that you've got a couple million followers on Instagram. <laughs> to me, that's a detriment. I, I don't want to have to deal with you. Uh, all day long posting selfies looking for attention from other people, right? I don't have Well, and time that's for what that. it is. It's, well, it's, it's, hear it's me that. out. So, you yeah. know, when you take like, I mean, let's call her a seven or eight. I don't know, whatever. You know, when you take a seven or eight like that, she's looking at, at dating. And I had my DMs fill up overnight from guys saying, 
I hit that. I was a Navy SEAL. Uh, she cheated on her on her fiance. Here's the guy that she cheated on, like giving me all the screens with the threads. And I'm, I'm reading this. I'm like, yeah, this chick's solipsistic, just like every other woman. It doesn't matter that she's a track con, whatever. And of course, hypergamy kicks in and she wants a 10, even though she's not even close to it and she's demanding it. And that's just the way that women are. They've, they, they've always been that way. It's just today, it's on overdrive, right? Because they have, they have one of these in their hand at all times. So it's, 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 it's the next swipe. It's the next Instagram update. It's the next DM that she gets. It's a box of dicks is what it is. And it gives her easy access to as much and early abundant amounts of, of guys, right? So she's, you know, so you can't, you can't fault them for being um, a little bit, uh, you know, walking around with an over-entitled sense of self-worth. It just is what it is. So you just kind of roll with it and you have fun with it. Um, at the end of the day, you do you. You make yourself your own mental point of origin. Chase your purpose. And if a nice woman, you know, enters your frame and she compliments your life. Not like the crazy one that I did your request <laughs> on. But uh, <laughs> that, you know that was saying, my fault. Right? Like, no, and I appreciated that. I I needed, you know what? Uh, well, I called you after out on dealing your shit. with the court. <laughs> this this was the after guy, by with... the way. If you watched the request a couple of weeks ago, are you okay with me telling them? Which Absolutely, one it is? I said I, I said in the comments okay. that that was me. Absolutely. Yeah, yeah. So so this was the guy that he gave the engagement ring from another girl to a crazy ex who stole it from him, and he couldn't get it back, and she called the cops on you. Was it? Uh, yeah, she had, yeah. Uh, she lived in Toronto. I was uh, living outside of the city. So when I when I went in to see her, uh, they were basically waiting there for me, uh, as if I was this you know horrific monster. You know whatever well, she you are by whatever default, she could because said. you're a man, right? Oh, absolutely. And you know, uh, I was and no, you know nothing to do with anything I said or did, but the fact that because of being a man, she was somehow in her mind afraid of me. I was done. I was done. So no, yeah, it was. Yeah, it, you're cooked it, at that point. <laughs> and I do want to say, uh, you can say uh, hypergamy uh, as much as you like, because I still like when you say that, man. So don't let anyone uh, bust your balls about you that. Got it. Or... <laughs> All right, Steve. Uh, it's Steve, uh, it's it's always great talking to you, man. It's uh, I'll uh, I'll stick around and uh, I'll keep doing the work. So Thanks, I just got man. your shirt. So. Thanks, brother. Yeah, I saw Thank that. You, yeah, and your your picture of the do the work. Hey, man, I'm I'm a, I'm a fan, big fan. <laughs> see you, see you, man. Um. Yeah, if you guys want to grab the merch, so where was Steve's picture here? Yeah, he put it up there. There it is, you know, the Do The Work shirt. So if you want to grab those uh, merch shirts or the mugs, I had a mug on my table for my tea earlier, but all that stuff's in the Teespring store on the store link of the uh, channel. Um, Ryan, I see an empty chair. I don't know if you can hear me if you got your headset. You are there. Okay. What's up, brother? I'm sticking out the trash, man. Uh, Got to do what you. I, fig I, I have figured you had the busy as hell time, so. since Monday. Yeah. So yeah. actually, good. Yeah. How did that go for you? Did you get a couple people uh, pinging you looking for some help? Oh for... Lord, it's been very, very busy. It's been very, very busy. Thank there you, you so much for, for doing that. So what's shaking with you tonight, man? So the question I had. Let me see if I can get this to actually focus. Hold on. Little a little tip I use. I usually take some mail and I put it in front of the screen. I just kind of pull it back. Boom. Aha! There, there we go. go. Aha, figuring out this technology thing. So since we're on the, the, the topic of the topic of the evening was supposed to be the whole nomad capitalism thing. Yeah. You've obviously got family in Canada that you can't really run away from right now. Yeah. But if you had it to do over, you didn't have that sort of uh, anchor. What would you do since you're that's, a pill guy? That's a very good question. So let's talk about that because I would definitely not be here. Um, right. 
I was watching a little clip uh, of Joe Rogan talking about why he's leaving California and going to Texas, and it's 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 obviously going to be a little more favorable for him. But at the end of the day, it's guys like you pay a lot of money in taxes for not a lot in return to listen to a, a bunch of people throw hissy fits all the time about everything not being fair and they're never getting enough and they keep voting for more and more policies that remove my freedoms from me and give away more crap to people that I don't think deserve honestly a lot of the crap that they get that they're not working for they're particularly lazy there's some guys that you know there's some people that need to be looked after and I'm fine with that. Mm -hmm. But I think the vast majority of people that are holding out their hands, uh, essentially stealing from me by way of the government, you know, through the state, um, they don't deserve what they're getting. And I have no problems whatsoever with um, leaving the country when the time's right. It's just the time's not right for me. You know, I have family here. I've got a small kid. So I'm going to, you know, I'm going to be there for that because, um, you know, that's that's what I need to do. But um I don't know where I would go. I mean, I was hoping to get some feedback from Andrew uh, tonight on what he thinks are some of the best countries. I've, I've heard him talk a lot about Georgia and Eastern Europe. Uh, mm -hmm. I know there's Caribbean islands that are uh, that are favorable to um, either getting passports, visas, or even living there on a on a semi permanent or even a permanent basis. But you know, his his whole philosophy, which is why I like him in his channel, is go to where you're treated best. Um, yeah. And I've watched quite a few of his videos. I've read a few of the articles that he's posted. So I got a lot of runway for this. I mean, I got probably another nine or 10 years before I really have to finalize anything, but I'd like to kind of work right. up to that. So I'm well prepared. But I mean, I could very well be doing this in 10 years time from a sailboat somewhere in the Caribbean, from, uh, from an island in the Caribbean, somewhere in Eastern Europe. I don't know. I don't know where that's going to be. I just know that I'm getting tired of cold ass Canadian winters. I'm getting tired of the liberalist globalist agenda, getting tired of having my money stolen from me by way of taxes. And they're high. Um, once you factor in income, sales tax, uh, you know, the double up of sales tax on some items like fuel, you know, for example, um, yep. you're paying 55, 60, 62%, you know, in some cases, depending on where the money's going. Um, and that's a lot. And they're oh, yeah. frivolous with it and they don't behave well with it. And I, and I don't condone the behavior. So it's my choice to leave and I'm going to take my money with me. And if they don't like it, I don't really care, but that's what I'll be doing. Nice. Nice. Have I you, know, what are your uh, thoughts, right man? You know, same question back to Ooh, you because you're in DC, which is good a question. heavily taxed state. <laughs> well, I'm actually not in DC. I'm in Northern Virginia, so it's not Northern quite Virginia. as bad. Okay. Um, it's it's the least communist communist of the three uh, of the three country of uh, the three counties. You got District of Columbia itself. You got Maryland to the north. You got Virginia to the south. Uh, it kind of goes in order: District of Columbia, Maryland, and then Virginia in terms of like communists, right? Because mm -hmm. um, we actually have like concealed carry laws, and so I can actually get a concealed carry permit in Virginia, where you can't really do that in DC and Maryland, for example. But it's a very high cost of living area. Um, it attracts a certain kind of person. And for the dating market, that's definitely not ideal uh, for a guy like very me. high cost of living. What does it cost for a four bedroom, 2,300 square foot house where you live? In a decent area? Yeah. I don't know probably half a million, maybe more. So my townhouse that I bought is 1,500 square feet. This is it's, uh, three. For, for that, which I just described, it's about 1.2 million. And you're paying... Yeah probably 55% tax on the income that you're using to buy a house really? at that price point. So 
Welcome to Crazy. I've heard the Canadian suburbs. The Canadian real estate market is just absolutely insane. Yeah, well, there's a lot of immigration here, right? There's a lot of people coming yeah. in, and they have a well, there's lot of a lot money. of foreign money, right? There's, well, there's a, a lot, lot of foreign, foreign money. There's a lot of Asian money, a lot of Persian money, a lot of um, East Asian money that's coming into Canada. Um, yeah, there's a con there's a uh, economist that I like to listen to named Mark Blythe. Uh, he's actually Irish, no, sorry, Scottish, and he's at Brown University in the U.S. And he was asked, answering a question on the Australian uh, real estate market and about how it's a bubble. He's like, well, yeah, if you're looking at it from a, you know, a, a, the, the idea of the internal demand in Australia, sure, but what if there's an external source of demand, right? All these people in China who don't want to live in China if they can mm -hmm. possibly avoid it. You know, so you've got all this external funds that are pouring into these safe markets, right? Yeah, there's a Buying guy in our, in our community in the 1% who's from China. Mm -hmm. um, I met up with him last fallish. He's got mm -hmm. he's got a room in his basement, and it's basically a gun room. Um, and he's got four walls, and each wall is covered with guns. I don't know if you saw the video that I posted when I was at his place. Yeah, but Trudeau basically cool. wants two of his walls now. Um, so when I'm talking mm -hmm. about things like personal freedom, like not only are you paying more for stuff here, and you're paying higher taxes here, but Trudeau's actually taken away a lot of people's personal freedoms and liberties because that's what the state yeah. does. They want to be bigger and they want more control. Um, and, it, and that's and kind of one of the is a good one, you know, for, oh, yeah. for the state to control. I don't think that'll ever happen in the U.S. I mean, it may or may not, but, I, but it doesn't look like it's going to happen in the near future anyway. They, they tried, actually, Virginia tried to pass an assault weapons ban, which would yeah, actually ban... Uh, oh, they freaking lost their minds, you know, ban any magazines over 10, 10 rounds, like all kinds of guns and everybody lost their minds. They actually had sheriffs and law enforcement, uh, you know, chiefs saying, if this law passes, I'm just going to deputize everyone in the city who owns guns so that they're allowed to have the guns. Okay. Right. And they just basically said, no, this is just not going to work. It's like, how do you enforce that? Right. Mm. How, there's, there's no possible way. There's no possible way that's not going to end very, very badly. But that's actually an interesting point when you start looking at like places to live. Yeah, because I've guy got a few guns China myself. He wants personal freedom, comes to Canada, and he's losing personal freedoms, right? But if you move somewhere else, like there's a lot of places where you can't own guns the same way you can in the states or even in Canada, mm -hmm. right? Australia, you definitely can't. No, and that's another thing. You know, England, no. I don't. France, I don't even really no. care about Germany, handguns to no. be honest with you. But if I want a long gun for hunting or you know for skeeter trap shooting. Like they're mm -hmm. not very clear about it and he's going about it in a way that like the big argument, if you guys don't know, I think it was around February, March, there was a shooting in Nova Scotia um, mm -hmm. and the guy used um, RCMP. I think it was an RCMP uniform, an RCMP vehicle. Um, I don't know if he bought it in an auction and it was like previously used with high mileage, but it looked like, mm -hmm. you know, basically official um, law enforcement type of equipment and the firearms he had, they were not acquired legally. They were illegally acquired. What does he do? He uses that as yep. an opportunity to take away everybody that's a licensed firearm owner, take away his property. So, I mean, this, oh, yeah. this sort of thing, I've not seen it get better as I get older. I've only seen it get worse. So why yep. would you want to, and you know, going to nomad capitalist slogan, go to where mm -hmm. you're treated well. Why would you want to stay here if you're not treated well? And that's the, that's the big question Why would you for want me. To stay in a it's country like, where women hate men. Yes. Yeah. And that's the big question. It's like, okay, fine. So where are you actually treated well? That's what I'm, that's the other that's big what I'm piece, trying to get right? to the bottom of. 
Yeah, because you 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 think about like places like Argentina under Pinochet, or was it Chile under Pinochet or Argentina back in the day, whenever things started really getting bad, what they do? They freaking gutted all the foreigners, right? Took all their stuff, took all their shit, took all their yeah. money. I don't know. Yeah, you go to these places that don't necessarily have a stronger rule of law. Like uh, things get a little bit dicey if you're not if you're not wired into the local local system. So there's that piece of it too. But on the same hand, on, on the other hand, like if you're a savvy guy, you're kind of you can tell which way the wind is blowing, mm-hmm. and so you got that spidey sense to get the hell out of Dodge when it's about time, right? And you yeah. put out a video on this about the whole uh, God. What news was news story was it that you were talking about? This is about a two, three months ago that you put out talking about uh, Benia bias and stuff like that. But oh, anyway. was it the BLM, George Floyd, like all that movement going no, down? This is bef- this is before that. This is about like some nuclear incident or something like that. I don't know. I'd have to, anyway, I have to go back. And point being, it. it was a bit ago. It's about four, five, six months ago. It's before yeah. the whole like right around the same time that COVID started blowing up and things like that. But anyways, oh point yeah, being, I know the one. A lot of people yeah. got really upset at me because I was saying that this that this whole COVID thing is a big play for control, mm-hmm. and it's like, no, it's a safety thing. You got to wear a mask to be safe. It's like, oh really? You still think? Yeah. yeah. But point being, like, if you if you've got the you know so when you can kind of see which things are going, which things are going, which way things are going, and you can exit when it's the right time, right when things start going south, then I think your options are pretty limitless honestly mm-hmm. and it comes down to a what kind of culture what kind of infrastructure do you need right well structure your life in such a way that makes sense a lot of people are like you know when guys say to me um and ryan see i see you in the waiting area so i'll bring you in next if you can just in mm-hmm. the private chat just let me know what your question is just so i can get some frame before i pull you in oh andrew made mm-hmm. it i got awesome. andrew in the green room so well shit you i guess i'm gonna get the hell out of the way so you can do that thanks ryan i'll see you later man yeah, was- Mr. Henderson, we're live uh, now, by the way. I'm sorry. We are live now, by the way. Great to be live with you. We must have got the got our times off because um, I had it scheduled with your assistant for nine. But I'm glad you made it because I was just talking to my friend Ryan from my community about where do you go where you're treated best and you know your essential slogan in your lifestyle. So welcome. Yeah. How are you tonight? Great to be with you, and uh, we apologize for this uh, time zone issue. No worries. You're in Kuala Lumpur. I am in Kuala Lumpur. Yeah. I had um I had a couple of guys that were uh, really interested in hearing your take on your lifestyle choices and how you got there. And um, I don't know if you've watched any of my videos. I mean, we exchanged some tweets back and forth over the last couple of weeks leading up to this when I was booking this. Yeah, we did. Yeah. Um, where did this all begin for you? Like, like, how did you get into this? I'm done with the West. I'm, I'm going to go where I'm treated best. Was there a, was there a straw that broke the camel's back for you? Like, where did this begin for you? Yeah, I gradually, I think, um, I, you know, I think for some people it's, it's all financial for some people it's financial and, and personal, uh, for me, it was a blend of all of the above. It was, um, you know, uh, basically getting a permission slip when I was uh, 12 years old from my father saying, listen, you don't have to stay in the same city, state, even country as your parents are. You have to take care of, of you know, your family. We're making sure that's going to happen. You should go where you're treated best. And I didn't realize for a long time how few people get that permission. Uh, and so as I became successful in business, as I did not heed the advice in my early teens, as my teens and early 20s, starting a business, 
and I, uh, you know, became increasingly successful in the U.S. Paid more taxes. Uh, didn't find a lot of people that I enjoyed, uh, you know, being around. Didn't find a lot of people who were inspiring me the way I wanted to be inspired. Didn't find the social scene the way I wanted it to be. I started traveling. Almost immediately started meeting people who shared my values and ideals more and were more supportive. And just gradually got more and more into this. And as I traveled more and more, and as I was encouraged to travel more and more, it was uh, eye-opening in the sense of, well, this bank treats people better, it seems, because they pay higher interest rates in this country. Or, you know, why is uh, real estate a better deal over here? Or uh, why are the girls nicer over here? Or, you know, whatever it may be, you know, finding these kind of arbitrage opportunities. Um, and uh, And that was really... Uh, where it started. And I think just kind of going more and more and more and more to the point of saying, I'm going to leave the U.S. Uh, full time later, uh, you know, giving up the citizenship. And uh, you know, it's all. How long ago was that? Like when did, when did the flip switch? Uh, on the citizenship. The, the you know, like I'm done with the U.S. and I think oh, I'm going to find well, a home somewhere else. Yeah, you know, I, I, I think that uh, for me, the, I mean, over 10 years ago, it was, let me figure this out. I didn't know what to do, but I, if I cannot live here, I won't. Yeah. I've, um, I've, I've had your YouTube channel. For those of you that don't know, uh, Andrew's YouTube channel is nomad capitalist. I've had it recommended by, uh, two of my other friends who are entrepreneurs. And I think Caleb Jones says he's worked with you as well. Do you know Caleb? No, yeah. I do know Caleb. Yeah. Am I allowed to say that? Yeah. Yeah. Um, so where like, I want to ask your opinion of this because I live in the Toronto suburbs, so very liberal country, very globalist agenda. Our prime minister uh, is a self-proclaimed male feminist, you know, blah, blah, blah sort of thing. So um, there's there's a slow progressive deterioration of my country, the West in general, I've noticed. I know a lot of guys like you that have left that have said, I've had enough. I'm tired of paying taxes. I'm tired of seeing my money go to... Uh, agendas and ideologies that I don't support, that I don't want to get behind. Um, how have you seen things change where you're at with your travels? Because I've heard you mention that you've got a place in Georgia, Montenegro, and Kuala Lumpur. So um, you've traveled around quite a bit. Um, mm -hmm. I've seen videos that you've recorded in the Middle East as well, and in some cases the Caribbean, I believe. Um, are there any countries that you haven't been to or any continents that, that you haven't been to? Is it easier to start there and say, well, I haven't been to Antarctica? <laughs> I haven't done as much of Africa. I think Africa is very interesting, but I also know we've had people from Africa uh, that we've worked with, not a lot, but some. And you know, you'll have the guy who has the Mozambique cement factory and the, and the Angola you know, logistics company. And, and he'll say, you know, you really, it really helps to be from Africa and to know how people work around here um, if you're going to be successful in these, in these businesses. And there's, there's huge returns if you do. I find that uh, uh, most people aren't going to move to Africa. And at this point, part of where I go is dictated by what I think people would be interested in. And I don't mm -hmm. imagine most people are interested in moving to Benin. Mm -hmm. um, but yeah, I've been to, to most other parts of the world, not every exact country, but most other parts. And, and, and some parts of Africa also. Which, but how do, you, how do you compare these other places that, that you visited and lived in um, yeah. where you've been treated better to the United States? Like... Well, I the think the state of the U.S. today is so bizarre to me. It's, 
It is bizarre, and I'm just looking, and I'm thinking to myself, there's no room for someone like me who's kind of uh, stuck in the middle as a pragmatist in some ways. You know, as a business owner, as a pragmatist, I made a video talking about uh, what happens if Joe Biden gets elected. You know, the name is Nomad Capitalist, right? And we must have gotten, uh, I'm told, you know, a thousand comments of people, you know, you sound like a left-wing communist. I mean, you know, this and that. Because I simply said, listen, there's not going to be a huge difference in who wins, um, and that's blasphemy to people in the U.S. You know, it, it, it's as if yeah, the, the U.S. is going to be is going to become Angola tomorrow if Joe Biden wins. Uh, your taxes are going to go up, and maybe you lose a few freedoms. Um, you know, it might happen under Trump too. Um, but I, I, I just think that uh, yeah, the U.S. has become such a crazy place. I think the Western world. I don't. I'm not as connected to it anymore. I try and stay away. I pretty much realized the Western world, with maybe a few exceptions. Uh, has just gone mad. And Do you have you know, any the family or friends back sweet. in the States? What's that? Do you have any family and friends still back in the U.S.? Or have they all mostly left too? No, no, they haven't left. Okay. Um, do they do they envy your lifestyle at this stage? Like, do they look at you and go, "Gee, Andrew, I wish I could be like you," or I'm gonna I'm gonna be doing what you're doing in five or ten years? I mean, family and friends. Uh, yeah, some. But, you know, I, I've gotten used to, uh, and, and I respect this, but I've gotten used to in this business and probably a lot of others, people who just come and it's there's a, there's a romance about it for them, right? One of my friends who is in the U.S., who I helped him get his second passport at least, mm. he said, uh, what you're doing in your, in your articles and your videos is kind of like writing romance novels for men uh, sometimes where, you know, it's a fantasy. How many people come through on it? So I don't know if they envy me or not. I mean, we all vote with our feet. Hmm. Um, what is your, what is your top, uh, like what is your favorite, uh, locales right now where you're, where you find guys are treated best? Like the top five countries, let's say, if you could, if you could share that. Well, I mean, the COVID situation is, is kind of throwing a wrench in things. Um, but it's interesting because I think that this is, this is going to keep happening more in the future. Now that they've set the status quo, where they've conditioned people to stay home and wear masks and social distancing is now like a, a, a soundbite that everybody's very familiar with. I suspect that they're going to pull this again in the future. It's going to be for some other pandemic or some something else. But I don't think that this is just a one time thing now. Well, I, mean, I think governments are always looking to exert power. I mean, through whatever means that is, is convenient. Well, a good way to do it. Yeah, I don't know. They're, they're geniuses at coming up with ideas. Um, <laughs> But I do, I have said, I think you'll see some of these people who are, you know, the health director or something will enjoy the publicity and maybe some one of them will become the president or something in some country. Right. Um, I mean, I think Mexico has been very interesting. Um, and I have a lot of friends actually in Mexico who say that it's very free there. Malaysia has been extremely free. You know, here in Asia, things are largely back to normal. Um, you're not traveling, although you're traveling internally. You can't get a hotel room anywhere here. Uh, I'm, mm -hmm. I'm taking a trip next week during the week because you can't get anything on the weekends anywhere. Um, so I think that Malaysia has always been a hidden gem. I think places like Mexico have been interesting. Colombia has disappointed me a little bit. I own a, a home there and I think it's a great place, but they've disappointed me a little bit. And I think Eastern Europe um, not hasn't been perfect during this time. Um, but, you know, Georgia had a very low caseload and I think they're they're at least moving in the right direction. I think you want to look for places that are moving in the right direction. And anyone that is too wealthy at this point is probably moving in the wrong direction. 
What do you mean by that? If they're too wealthy, they're moving in the wrong direction. Well, so I noticed I went to Chile last year. Chile, uh, Chileans are the one country in South America that can visit the U.S. without a visa. It's about 41 countries, I think. So it's a small club that can visit the U.S. And my theory is once you have that U.S. visa waiver program, uh, your country starts to go downhill because it reaches this, this pinnacle of now we're wealthy and now let's look for things to, uh, you know, take people's uh, money. Uh, let's look for, you know, all sorts of these things that make a country, you know, what you're talking about in Canada. Mm -hmm. uh, and so I think once a country becomes too successful, there is that temptation uh, to say, how do we screw this up? Because they forget, you know, I mean, you talk to people who work for me in places like Serbia, they remember what it was like. They don't want to go back to that. Mm -hmm. uh, Georgia, the same, you know, uh, but these countries, once it becomes too distant a memory, the adversity, I think it's um, and they start doing bad stuff. What's um, I mean, for a guy like me that lives in Toronto and I've got an 11 year old and I might want to plan a exit at some point, but still be reasonably close to the country, like not a 12 hour flight away. I mean, is there a place in the Caribbean or, you know, within about a five hour flight that I should be looking at? Well, so I look at a couple different things. I mean, one of them is tax benefits. Um, certainly there's a, you know, if the Caribbean is your lifestyle and that's what you want, then yeah, I mean, you've got the Bahamas, you've got the Cayman Islands, you've got uh, Anguilla, uh, you've got Antigua and Barbuda. Um, I, I don't know that you want to live on the island of Nevis and St. Kitts and Nevis with a kid and going to school, that seems a little uh, small, but that's probably the better island of the two. Uh, and so those are all very tax-friendly uh, islands, uh, depending on what you're doing, depending on what, what your business is. What about Bermuda? That's in the North Atlantic. Yeah, it's expensive. It's, uh, it's probably not at the top of my list. Okay. Um, not so not so uh, warm either mm. mexico you said is uh friendly to foreigners to expats yeah mexico is super friendly um not only that but if you live there for uh five years you can become a citizen and uh it's one of the best citizenships nobody knows it's one of the best citizenships in the world as someone who that's my thing uh it's a great one and i love the i love the diversity for someone who doesn't want to be stuck on the cayman islands i love the fact that you can live in the beach, live in the big city. There are plenty of places in Mexico that are safe, like Merida, mm -hmm. uh, Palanca, Mexico City. Um, you know, I've been all over and never had any problems. So I think Mexico is a great choice, too. Not you got to do some work to get the tax savings, but uh, it can be done. Mm. Um, I've I've been following a couple of YouTube channels. It's like one of those things where one day YouTube algorithms recommend something that they think I'll like. And I go into this rabbit hole and I've been following yeah. these sailing videos and i see these guys wow. on like a 53 foot sailboat just sailing around the world they're doing like ninety thousand miles sometimes they have a few people on the boat sometimes they've got 10 um and they kind of go to where the wind takes them and they just tend to try to avoid hurricane season they pluck a lot of their fish out of the water um how would how would somebody use the nomad capitalist lifestyle or the strategies that um you talk about often in a mobile sort of environment where they don't actually have rooted real estate citizenship in one country like yeah well uh, so the challenge is if you're an american that's going to be hard because the tax exclusion for americans that at least you know allows you to exempt your salary and that gets you out of the system for some of the savings foreigner and income exclusion uh frowns on things like sailing if you're in international waters uh, they want you to be on land and so uh, I've had Americans come to me who work on yachts or they own yachts and, and they have a very hard time saving on taxes uh, on their business. For everyone else, 
uh, what you'd want to do is you'd want to have someplace on land that you've established in a country. Here's my home. Here are my utility bills. Here is my tax residence, my tax home. So that in your case, for example, Canada wouldn't come after you and say, well, you're just on kind of like a long vacation. I mean, I think that tax authorities in a lot of countries probably look at sailing as kind of like a long vacation rather than a home. Uh, they like, you know, and so does your bank, by the way, or your crypto exchange or whatever it is that's doing KYC. Uh, they would really want to see you know, where is the home, even if you're not there and you're out sailing. What's your, um, what are your future plans with your um, Nomad Capitalist lifestyle like over the next five years? Like, are you, are you planning to set some roots down and pick a place and kind of stay? Or do you like the ability to maneuver whenever you need to? I like the ability to maneuver. Um, you know, it's challenging because there's so many great places out there. In Latin America, I've gotten it down to Mexico City uh, and to Bogota, where I have a home. I don't have Mexico City. I think I could probably live without the rest of the, I mean, there's a lot of great places there, but I could live just, you know, taking a vacation. But there's so many great places. Uh, so I got married about a year ago and, um, you know, she's pretty supportive, but, but I already wanted to be slowing down. And so I think it'll be, who knows exactly. Right now it's in Kuala Lumpur for most of this year. And I think it's a great place to be. I think in the future we'll probably continue to adapt where we spend our time. So Montenegro won't be four months a year as I had at one point thought. It's probably a month. You know, I also have teams around the world, so going and spending time with them will be important. I can't see a time in the immediate future when I'm just gonna say I'm staying in one place and I'm never leaving. Mm -hmm. It sounds like there's, um, you don't, I mean, like maybe some guys have this notion that if they pick up and leave home country and they go set up residency, let's use something like uh, Bahamas, you know, for example. Um, you still have tax liabilities that you've got to pay. Um, there's still require like there's still rules that you have to follow, right? Like you don't have uh, supreme personal freedom, right? Like you've like you've got to comply with local laws. In some cases, you've got to buy real estate to get a visa, perhaps. Like I guess it all depends on where you're going. This is something that you guys will specialize in breaking down. Well, yeah. So I mean, what you're perhaps mentioning is is the the perpetual tourist, right, or the digital nomad who's constantly just going in and out on tourist visas. Um, you can do that, again, unless you're an American, you're going to want to have some tax home and not be seen as just a tourist because Canada or Australia or whatever else is going to look at you and, and probably be less forgiving um, if you have any other mistakes in your tax plan. Um, so, yeah, I mean, I, if you want to find one place or two places or three places, what I call my trifecta, you can go and get a residence permit. Now, in many Latin American countries, it's merely a matter of showing income. I make $1,500 a month, and here's six months of bank statements to prove it. Uh, or in Asia, it's sometimes simply a matter of saying, I have $200,000 to my name, and here, I'm going to put $100,000 in your bank. Uh, but yeah, in other countries, it could be buying real estate. There's, there's often many different programs. People look at uh, some of the European countries with these expensive real estate investment programs. They don't realize if you're a freelancer with 2,000 euros a month, you can get in. Um, the only difference is they require you to spend more time in the country than the, the golden visa uh, in order to keep your residence. So there's there's a whole ton of options. Are there are there countries that you're vehemently opposed to traveling to, like you're like you want nothing to do with because they're too hostile towards you? Uh, I, I wouldn't visit the United States, and, and maybe they don't want me to. Be, maybe it's a mutual feeling, but uh, I wouldn't. Uh, I get all nostalgic on on rare occasion, uh, but I wouldn't. I don't particularly trust them. Um, 
Canada, I think, I mean, I love Canadians and, and all that. Uh, I don't know entirely how connected they are to the U.S. They seem to do a lot of the same stuff the U.S. does. They seem to borrow a lot of their stuff. Mm-hmm. And uh, it does seem like the more I've traveled through what I call the Kuna countries, the big four, Canada, U.S., New Zealand, Australia, add the U.K. to the list, they are becoming a bit more um, difficult. You know, it used to be you're an American going to Canada and it's just like, come on in. The last time I went through Canada, it's like, what are you doing? I'm like, I'm flying through. I'm going to El Salvador from Europe. And they were, it was really uh, scrutinous. So mm. I, you know, what, what do I need that for? Mm. How many, how many passports do you have? Uh, coming up on uh, the fifth. And is it really that useful to you to have five passports? Like what's the actual benefit to guys to get five passports? I imagine for the average person, five is probably too many. Um, Obviously, most people aren't giving up their U.S. citizenship, so that would make it six. Mm-hmm. Um, but here's how I look at it. If an opportunity is available to you uh, in this world, you should take it. Whether it's, you know, if you believe in keeping money in the bank and you're not entirely crypto or entirely gold or whatever, you know, uh, if there's a bank account that's affordable, get it. And when it becomes more expensive, you'd be locked in. If there's a passport because, uh, you know, you, you married someone or you have descent or whatever else, you know, take it. Um so, you know, visa-free travel is good. Right now, you know, during the whole coronavirus situation, I've got, you know, one or two passports that can get into Europe and, you know, one I think that can't. Mm. Um, so I think that, you know, being able to, uh, you know, go to different countries, you know, engage with different people on investments, you know, is a good idea. Do you need five? No, probably not. One of them is probably just sitting in the safe for the most part. Mm. Um, but, you know, it also it's a place to, to go and live. You know, if you're a citizen, that's the highest level of being able to get into a country. And so uh, it is a call option on what could happen in the future and having more places to be able to go. Um, you've mentioned banking quite a few times already, uh, and it kind of breezed over crypto. What's your view on the fiat banking system versus a cryptocurrency style of economy? Well, again, I'm somewhat of a pragmatist. Uh, I do have money in the bank. I also like crypto. I'm not a put everything in crypto kind of person. I'm a very diversified person. Um, so, I mean, if you look at the U.S. dollar just in the last month, I mean, it's been a disaster. And I think you'll see more of that. Um, but, you know, I'm, I'm a business person. Most people want to pay in U.S. dollars or their local currency. And so I take that, keep some of it, pay my expenses in it. Uh, you know, buy real estate with it. Mm-hmm. Uh, and I think that, again, you know, having numerous banks as a call option as, you know, on, on reputational reasons, you know, where's your money coming from, um, you know, asset protection reasons. I think that, um, you know, having some of each category is a good idea. So uh, maybe it's not very exciting to say, you know, be diversified, but it's what I do. Mm. Um Here's my my challenge with crypto. Here's my challenge with crypto. I mean, you need you need adoption. Yeah, you need adoption. And I don't know that, you know, it's it's to me part of the crypto movement um, is kind of the same thing as the libertarian movement. And it's just it's it's I feel like it's it's if we stick to doing that, you're going to have a challenge getting adoption because most people aren't libertarians. Most people just want a way to pay. And so when they talk about, you know, case studies of people in Africa, you know, who have Zimbabwe dollars that are falling to the floor or that have a hard time, you know, you know, holding local currency. 
uh, that's a great use and that should be trumpeted more. I don't know that the average person wants to hear about to end the Fed. I don't think that's what's going to get them on board. Um, and so I think more of the actual, you know, use cases uh, is helpful. Um, yeah, I agree. There's there's a serious problem with the um, adoption curve, and I don't think it's it's ever going to go big. I mean, I had a friend of mine in uh, 2011. We sat down and we had lunch, and he was just pivoting out of a business, and he said something to me about Bitcoin. He's like, I'm going all in on Bitcoin, and I just heard about it a few months prior to that. And I'm like, you sure about that, man? Because I ran a business in financial services for a while, and I saw how pissed off the banks and the government get when you do something that... Um, infringes on their ability to control the public and he's like oh yeah it's going to blow up it's going to blow up and i mean it's 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 worth a lot more than what it was in 2011 but i'm kind of with yeah. you on that right like until the world really adopts it it's i'm just kind of like all right i got some yeah for sure i i i i don't want to be i don't want to be a you know miserable person but i don't want to be overly idealistic in saying you know here's a great solution if only people will see the truth I mean, people are sheep. Yeah, I mean, anything. Yeah. Um, speaking of sheep, you you seem to get criticized a lot for encouraging people to go to where they're treated better and pay lower taxes. Um, no. I'm sure that's been going on for a while. Like, which Does surprise on that? you? Um, no, not really. But I think that for some people watching this that don't know who you are. Um, no. And the fact that the vast majority of the population is plugged into societal conditioning and lies, and they are pretty much sheep. I mean, you must get that a lot. I I don't know. I mean, define a lot. I guess. Uh, I you know, sir. People uh, people like to comment. Uh, as we get bigger, uh, you get more haters. Uh, you get more haters from within the community because you're doing it the wrong way, or uh, you know, you're you're more in favor of gold than crypto, or crypto than gold, or whatever. But yeah, I mean, you have an increasing number of people coming and saying, "Why aren't you paying? You're a coward. Uh, why are you leaving?" You know, here's the reality. Um, number one, I can handle it. Uh, I was never the most popular guy in school. That's why I became an entrepreneur. I wanted to, to build something. Uh, so I'm used to it. It's okay. Uh, but, you know, I'm not really going to be too concerned about the opinions of people who think that, uh, you know, they're born in a place and therefore they're indebted for, for life. You know, where people in the community, people, again, the libertarians perhaps would criticize me is, you know, you're not going to change the way U.S. or Canadian tax policy works. If you live there, I'm not all for hiding in the underground economy and you know dealing in the black market. Listen, you live there. At a certain point, you have agreed to the social contract. Mm. Um, but I'm saying, you know what? No, I'm not going to sign that. It's like clicking, uh, don't install the software. I don't agree to the end user you know, license agreement. Mm. And if you leave and you're not using the roads and the bridges and all that, I don't really see what the issue is. But... Yeah, I mean, you've got a lot of people who think that they're entitled. And you know what I've realized, right, is recently in hiring and in developing friends and all that, that's my one big word now that I avoid is entitlement. Mm -hmm. I don't need it. Um, a lot of guys ask me this question. I think this is right up your alley because it sounds like you had to deal with this yourself. Something along the lines of how do you, how do you give fewer Fs about people's opinions about their judgments, about their control in your life. Because I see a guy here before me that I've never spoken to before until, I mean, we've covered like 30 minutes so far, but mm -hmm. you clearly don't care what other people think. You 
came from a place where it's it's basically bred into you from day one. They they like beat you with the Kool Aid. They're, they're force feeding you it. How do you how do you walk away from that old world belief and adopt the new one that serves you better? Like how did you do that? By doing it. I I I, I don't know that there's some great. Uh... Uh, you know, theory. I, I was. I think. How do you give fewer, fewer, and fewer over time? Uh, is maturing in your business, maturing in your wealth. Um, I think the more successful you are, the more confidence you build. Whether it's, you know, with with dating, whether it's with business, whatever it is. You know, I like to study people that we've worked with. You know, that have a hundred million, two hundred million, a billion dollars, and you look at how how they've developed, and I see, okay, that's that's the trajectory for me. Kind of looking back when I was over here, and now I'm here. You know, the, the closer I get to them, you just kind of drop some of the apps that you you want to give. Mm -hmm. uh, but how do you how do you get into the system? I, I, my entire thing uh, that I'm finally slowing down on has just been let's do it right now. Let's go. Let's just we're, we're just book the plane ticket. I'm, I'm leaving in a week. Mm -hmm. um, one of the things that happened to me early on that uh, actually it was a, a girl I met along my early travels that inspired me. She would just go. She said all my friends in wherever she was living would never uh, take the time off to go and travel with her. They always had an excuse. She's like, I'm just going to be a 23 year old girl traveling alone and I'm not going to be embarrassed. And I'm going to learn to feel comfortable eating alone and traveling alone. And I'm just going to feel comfortable alone. Uh, certainly men are perhaps more used to doing that. Um, but I think that's something that people need to do. It's just immersion therapy. Um, what are some big takeaways from some of the high net worth individuals that you've worked with? Like, what do they do differently than what the vast majority of the North American population do that, uh, that provides that personal freedom, fewer Fs to give, the ability to maneuver when they want? You, you know, like, what have you learned from all these high net worth individuals that you've worked with? Quite simply, they've done it, right? So, you know, I talked to a guy recently. We we're doing some some screening for a citizenship program. He said, "Have you ever been sued?" He's like, "Yeah, we get sued all the time. Workplace, you know, we wrongful termination. Someone doesn't work. We've got a thousand employees. We fire someone. You know, it's in the U.S. Of course, they come after us. Mm -hmm. And I think it's just kind of building up uh, a, a shield around them. But what I've also found is, number one, they care a lot less about money than anybody ever thinks they do. Number two, some of the nicest people." And what's interesting from a business point of view is, you know, if someone wants to start a business, I've always suggested um, deal with the absolute, you know, uh, poorest people or deal with the wealthiest people. And since I increasingly see dealing with the poorest people in a way that makes money is predatory, I'm going to deal with the wealthiest people. And I'm going to charge a premium price for that. Get flagged for that too, I suppose. But, um, <laughs> uh, you know, they are easier to deal with. They're more understanding. Uh, and they're just looking to get the result and they're not looking to make you know a business interaction about you know how do i extract a certain amount of time to justify the value that kind of thing and so it's just about you know how do we collaborate um so i think that you know it's 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 very nice they're not responding to people's comments they're not leaving stupid comments you know when you look at some of these comments that you mentioned earlier you know how do you get fewer f's you look at it and i think you reach a certain point in life where you say there's no way that any of these people have a higher net worth than i do there's no way any of them have a higher income than i do or else they wouldn't be doing it yeah I always, I always it's, it's almost guys. physically impossible correct correct i'm getting feedback, I'm getting from, feedback somewhere. from somewhere um hang on a sec hang i'm gonna sec. pull you out of the stream and then bring you back in see if that see fixes, if that fixes it. it 
No, I got echo from you still. Um, do you have a set of headphones oh. you can plug in, like something with a cord that comes from a, a cell phone or anything? We have something with a cord from a cell should, phone. Should just clean up the audio a little bit. Yeah, bring the let's get the AirPods. Will AirPods work? Yeah. Yeah. Anything All right, we'll that do just, that. Uh, stops the feedback going back to the microphone. That's sure. We suddenly have an echo. It's a new introduction to this stream, unfortunately. No. I will, let me let me plug in these AirPods here. Thanks. Hopefully they're they're well charged. <laughs> All right, here we go. Number one, number two. And, uh, Let's try that again. How's that? All right, the echo's gone. Perfect. Let's see here. Oh well, it's still there. It's a little bit smaller. We'll make it work. All right, we'll we'll work on um, it. You've got a conference that that you run. Can you tell us a little bit about that and what the uh, what the speakers bring to the table? What the general theme is? Yeah. So I decided after about four years, let's host another conference uh, called Nomad Capitalist Live. Um, Robert Kiyosaki, um, Roger Ver from the crypto world, who also renounced U.S. citizenship. That was one of the reasons I wanted him to come. Robert Kiyosaki obviously wrote Rich Dad Poor Dad. I don't think we agree on absolutely everything, but I think he sees that the world is changing and he sees the value in following wealthy people. Mm -hmm. uh, Mikhail Saakashvili was the president of Georgia, a controversial guy. You know, I spent a lot of time in Georgia. Certainly people in Georgia being new to democracy, some don't like him anymore. Uh, there's been a kind of a political campaign against him, but here's a guy who took a Soviet hellhole and turned it into the sixth easiest place to do business in the world uh, in a matter of less than a decade fired the entire police force, rebuilt almost as Singapore levels of corruption practically. Um, and so incredible transformational story. Uh, v. Yedlika is just kind of an interesting guy building this uh, uh, little seven square kilometer island in the Danube called Lieberland and, and trying to make that its own country. So that's kind of interesting. And I think you'll see a few more to come. The idea is, uh, and by the way, the main speakers are going to be people on our team who are the ones doing the work on citizenship options, banking options, you know, where, what to do with your crypto, taxes, all that kind of stuff. Um, but I think it's important for people to hear, you know, winning voices as well as get the information. Mm -hmm. And so uh, we're having, we're looking at a few other names and we're, it's probably just going to be a jammed in, like, don't, don't go to the bathroom kind of thing because we got too much to present. Okay, interesting. I got um I got my friend John here in the green room. I'm going to add him to the stream. He's he's also in Asia. Um, did you have a question, John? You're yeah, in I Tokyo. Wanted, I'm in Tokyo. Where are you? Where are you in Asia? In Kuala Lumpur, Malaysia. Oh, nice, nice. Yeah, I just wanted to ask you um, about the feasibility of giving up your American citizenship in order to let's just be frank, not get financially extorted by the United States government, but receiving zero benefits as we live abroad, but we pay taxes back home to a place that we're literally receiving zero benefit for. Is it feasible or is that stupid or what do you say? Well, they would say the benefit is you get a U.S. passport to travel the world on. And so it, it shows that a, a country, it's not really a home, as I've said, it's a transaction. And that's what now some people in Canada are saying. And, and so it's no longer you're one of us, we bleed the same blood. Is it feasible? Yeah, I mean, it's feasible. I always encourage people to look at it from an ROI perspective. Now, you know, in my case, and I've got a gentleman right now who feels the same way, 
we just don't like the country. We don't feel connected. We don't like showing the passport when we go places. That I think is our bigger reason. But certainly, you're right. Most people do it for financial. I think that um, you know, is it worth going out and getting a second passport? Um, you know, do you have heritage from someone? Do you have a, a parent, a grandparent, a great grandparent that you can qualify for a passport for practically free? That makes it a lot easier because everyone I've had who became, you know, a New Zealand citizen. Uh, because their dad was New Zealand or their grandfather was Irish or whatever, um, they were able to renounce. They've all been able to visit the U.S. again. They've suffered no loss of travel around the world. Now, you know, the, some of those other Western countries might start adopting the same tax policies, I think, in the next 10 years, uh, where they tax you worldwide, at least to some degree. Yeah. But anyway, I mean, I think that's feasible. If you have to go down to the Caribbean, for example, and buy a citizenship for $100,000, just run the simple ROI. But from a feasibility standpoint, I mean, the U.S. government really doesn't going to, they're not going to try and stop you from renouncing. Um, and so it's just a matter of how good of a passport do you have uh, to replace it? I had a guy recently qualified for a Vietnamese passport. You're probably not going to renounce just be Vietnamese unless you only want to live in Asia um, or only want to live in one place where you get a visa. So that would be the biggest feasibility issue to me is how are you going to exist in the world? And that really depends on you know, how do you want to travel? I guess you could have the world's worst passport if you said, I'm only going to live in Portugal and I'll get a residence right. permit and I'll, and I'll never leave. And that's very feasible, even if you were Iranian or something. Um, but very financially feasible. The other issue that comes into mind that I've had is had a guy who raised 600, well, he raised money at a $600 million valuation. He owns 40% of this company. You know, his basis is basically zero his feasibility for renouncing is he has to sell whatever number of shares, $50 million, $60 million in shares to add to his cash position to pay the exit tax because wow. he's going to have a big exit tax. So those are the two issues that I think you'd want to consider. But, you know, from just a purely structural standpoint, it's very feasible to do. Um, and, and yeah, I think that the countries are in the West are only going to become more focused on how do we take your money because you have the privilege of being one of us. Again, I have a follow-up question if you're okay. Yeah, sure. Uh, kind of not as related, but um, I'm heavily involved in the cryptocurrency space, and I've been mm -hmm. uh, purchasing Bitcoin since quarter four of 2016. Went through the 2017 bull rush. It was insane in Tokyo. I don't know if you know about uh, the Japanese and their acceptance of Bitcoin, but basically it's like a super, super friendly cryptocurrency um atmosphere over here you could pay like if you were to get a car like a ticket for like meeting or whatever you can pay it with bitcoin in japan you can pay all your legal debts and get uh, bitcoin um right now we're obviously seeing a pretty jump a pretty big jump highest point for the price all year um some friends of mine we have a little mini show that we do about cryptocurrency we believe that this is like the beginning of the second bull run are you in that like train of thought? Are you that in involved in crypto or what's your stance on the current price? Because we have between yeah. August 12th and 18th, we think the cycle high is going to come in at about 12,500 for, for Bitcoin. Um, are you that involved with it? Or are you more of like an investor? What do you say? I'm not a great prognosticator on, on cryptocurrency or, or probably on on any particular you know asset class. Mm. Um, it, it's quite possible. Uh, you know, where I where I focus on well, on a personal level, where I focus is like a lot of the people that we're working with right now that have crypto. I ask them, you know, what's your opinion? Where is it going? How do we plan around this? I had a guy recently, I have 
400,000 in crypto. I said, is it going 100X? Is it going 50X? Is this a big part of our tax plan? I don't know. It's a hedge. You know, I, I'm a big, I like gold. I mean, it's a hedge. Mm-hmm. I mean, right now it's also doing very well. Um, so it's a way to, to insulate against fiat. I don't, you know, know if it's going to 12,500 or, or 125,000. Um, you know, really my focus is on what's the, the policy implications of that. And if I, you know, if I felt that it was going up substantially, I feel pretty good being St. Lucian and, and others, yeah. uh, rather than being American, Canadian, Australian, what right. have you. Yeah. I'm, I'm friends with Roger Veer, the founder and creator of, uh, yeah. Bitcoin cash. And he has like what you just said, he has a St. Kitts passport. He renounced his, uh, yeah. American citizenship. So awesome, dude. That's all and- I want to say. Thanks, John. Hey, thanks, man. Thanks. And that's why, by the way, yeah, have a good day. People have said, you know, why Roger Ver out of all the people in crypto? Well, you know, Roger Ver is the guy who, in my world at least, walked the walk. Was a U.S. citizen, gave it up. Mm -hmm. They won't let him back in now, uh, it seems. So I'm not sure. um, I think it's an interesting story. Yeah, like I'm not sure he actually cares that much, to be honest with you. I got got Chris here that's. Gave me a little uh, private chat question. Uh, you wanted to ask him a, a question about where things are improving. Was it something like that, Chris? Yeah, where do you think things are getting better? Because right now it, it does seem like the West is going nuts. And, you know, I was I was happy to see that in Serbia they rioted. And in Germany they had, you know, Berlin, they had that giant protest. I mean, I, it seems like the people in Eastern Europe, because they used to have this, they get it. Improving in terms of what? Just going away from socialism and you know and, and you know i'm hoping that maybe the world learns something from this year that maybe this is the bottom but <laughs> i don't think we're going to see a learning yeah. lesson out of this yeah you know i mean to your much earlier question i mean people have short memories uh which could be good or bad um you know i think asia parts of asia are good here's the thing learning lessons aside you have countries like malaysia you have other countries in this kind of belt around the equator where people are just pretty laid back and you may not have a constitution or a bill of rights with the kind of things that you see in a place like the u.s but what you have is people who just want to leave you alone uh, i do think eastern europe is interesting the balkans are kind of a mixed bag for me um because they do the riots um there's certain things that they're more accepting of i think that um the caucasus is interesting Armenia, Georgia in particular. Um, I think those are places that have learned the lesson. Again, we talked about President Saakashvili. So I think that Serbia, Montenegro are good places to, to live. Um, I think people are so, they just so want to be left alone there. They're a little bit apathetic in parts of the Balkans. Um, and so whether that allows people to kind of tiptoe back in and do something, I guess if they do, they'll they'll do these riots. So yeah, I, I think if you've seen some adversity in your life in any regard, I think that's a good thing. If your country's seen some adversity, that's a good thing for making sure that you're doing things right. But um, yeah, I think those are the best places. Latin America is also kind of a mixed bag. Um, and so I don't know that that's the best example, even though I like it from a lifestyle perspective. Well, you know, Uruguay was one country that didn't go didn't go crazy during all this. And I yeah, think maybe. they were the only one in South America that didn't. Yeah, Chile is one that's thrown around a lot. I find that to be rather overrated, quite frankly, um, heading in the wrong direction. Not particularly interesting. Um, yeah, Uruguay is an interesting option. Hard for me to get people to get excited about Uruguay. I'm always suggesting that to folks and is one of a, a series of options <laughs> and people, and it's, it's far away. It's, you know, 
but yeah, that's potentially a good one. Hmm. All right. Thanks, Chris. Thanks. Bye-bye. All right. Um, what uh, culture do you find most fascinating uh, from your travels? It's an interesting question because uh, there's so many. I, I, <laughs> and why? You know, I think Asia, well, I mean, Asian cultures you know, coming from the U.S. are very exotic. Uh, if I had to say totally a fascinating culture, I'd say India. Um, you've got a culture where you've got so many people who are what I would call forced entrepreneurs. You've got you know the poorest country probably I've ever been to in terms of the look and the feel of it, and you've got so many people who are really you know striving every day. Um, you've got this you know very incredible exotic culture from our perspective uh, with beautiful you know places and a very interesting way of operating. Um, and I think an interesting, not perhaps perfectly even, but interesting growth story ahead of it. Um, so I'm not saying that I've spent a lot of my time in India, but I, if I had to say what's the most fascinating to me, I think India is probably it. Mm. Um, as you've gotten older, what's become more important and what's become less important for you? It's a really good question. Um, one of the things that's become more important is, is building. Uh, there's a good paradigm, the builder versus hustler paradigm. And nothing wrong with being a serial entrepreneur. I started and, and sometimes sold a couple of businesses earlier in life, but I'm really more focused on building at this point. If I weren't doing this as a business, I'd still be doing it in my personal life. So I might as well have the business and, and have the, uh, the ability to go in and be treated well by people in the industry and the government, what have you. Mm -hmm. um, I don't know what the act is after this. And so I think building to me is really important. Uh, you know, some of us here might disagree on what that building looks like. It could be a family, it could be building your business bigger and bigger, but I think it's sticking with certain things that has become increasingly important to me. Mm. Um, what are some of the challenges that you've had to overcome uh, with this new lifestyle versus, you know, the conventional set down your roots, you know, uh, raise your 2.1 kids, white picket fence, go get your corporate job, pay your taxes. Like, what's, what are some well, of the challenges that you've had to deal with? Uh, packages not getting delivered on time. Um, you know, stores closing 28 minutes earlier than they're supposed to. I mean, I, I can't say there's been some kind of great uh, challenges. There's there's consumer con uh, inconveniences, mm -hmm. um, which is part of why Asia is a great place, because you have a lot of consumer conveniences. But... Um, no, you have to adapt and you have to understand how people operate um, and, and cultures are different. And so, you know, when you go to a restaurant in most places in the world, you're not going to have a, a friendly chit chat back and forth with the waiter. You know, you kind of miss that from time to time. It's very much, uh, you know, what do you want? Off I go. Uh, sometimes they misunderstand. But I think it's just a lot of minor things like that rather than some large systemic issues. Mm. Have you have you done any any kind of language work? Like if you tried to learn some local languages or you just stick to English or large cities where they speak some, some or enough English? I, yeah, I, I've, I've been focusing a little bit more lately. Um, not as much as I should have, quite frankly. You know, when I was fully nomadic, there was times I was in 30 countries a year and most of them were pretty off the wall. I'm not going to learn, you know, Burmese or something. Mm. Um, I can get around in Spanish. It's much easier when I'm just in the environment. It kind of comes back to me. I've been trying to increase my my Russian. It's not great, mm. um, but I think those are two good, you know, universal languages. 
We got a, a super chat here. I'm going to deal with, and then we'll uh, and then we'll get to wrapping it up. Uh, James said uh, thoughts on becoming a Georgian citizen, second citizenship. I'm an American, investing over half a million USD at least. Thanks for your time. I'm not sure what he means by that. Do you have to invest half a million into the country or buy real estate or a business or something? Well, in some countries you can, if you invest much. So there's the, the citizenship by investment programs in the islands where it's a pretty streamlined procedure, $100,000, you get a donation, you get a passport. In other countries, if you are, particularly if you're a Westerner, if you're what they view as a good nationality, you know, sometimes making large investments can get you on a fast track. I think in the case of Georgia, um, the current government is less favorable towards uh, that kind of thing. Mm -hmm. um, so it's a constantly changing landscape. Now, you know, the question is, if I'm going to invest half a million dollars. Um, now, I had a guy who sold $150 million worth of hotels in the U.S., and we were looking for places where, hey, open one or two new hotels in this European country. We can talk to the minister of finance. We'll get you citizenship mm -hmm. because they, they want a particular type of investment or in a particular area, whatever. Um, so if you were to invest 500,000, that's not a lot, but I would ask myself, do I like the investment otherwise? Um, I think Georgia, uh, after this current situation, will probably going back to, go back to being a good deal. It was not, wasn't a bad deal before. Uh, so I, I'm still relatively bullish on the country in general. I think there's a lot of untapped opportunities there. If I'm doing it for the purpose of immigration, I'm not convinced that that was the right time. Um, before we go, I just want to uh, share some of your resources so people know where to find you. Uh, you can find his uh, channel on YouTube. It's called Nomad Capitalist. Uh, there's also a website called Nomad Capitalist. So you can definitely learn more about uh, his services. Your typical customer is a high net worth individual. Um, What's the line in the sand for them to get a consult from your company? Well, so what we generally look for is, is do you make half a million dollars a year or more, mm -hmm. or do you have a million dollar net worth or more? Generally, it's in the income because one even the other. You know, high net worth people have the income, yeah, but one or the other. Um, I will say I'm not really in the consult business. What I've done is I've honed over the years a process of four or five phone calls um, totaling you know, eight, nine, 10 hours of time with a whole bunch of questions that are both stock questions and things that we come up with for each individual person. And we go through a whole thing. You know, I was talking to a guy in the citizenship business the other day and you come in, here's pictures of five beaches. Which one do you like the best? You know, that's a consult. Um, I think that when you look at combining your finances, your immigration, your investments and making it all work so that Canada plays nicely with Portugal, plays nicely with UAE, plays nicely with Hong Kong, uh, you know, you don't want a consult. Uh, you want uh, a real strategy. Okay. Um, I did get on your website a couple weeks ago when I was looking to schedule this time and uh, with you, and I've got something in my inbox, so I'll be I'll be doing one of my own because um, I want to learn Great. a little bit more. Um, do I end up speaking to you, or is it somebody else on your team? So what we've done now is is before you you engage, we have my senior most person, who's uh, Ivana Bakovic, and she talks to everybody. And then once they're onboarded, we generally have capacity for about nine or 10 people a month. Yeah. And then you start talking to me and I'm pretty involved in the strategy process. Gotcha. All right. Well, Andrew, I want to thank you for uh, your time, um, you know, having a chat and getting to know you a little bit better. This is this is something that I think guys should be considering or be interested in. Western countries do not treat men well. Um, I've I've come to realize this over the last few years, especially since I've been red pilled. 
And um, I like what Andrew talks about. I like the ideas that he has about, um, you know, if, if, a, if a country or a government or the state or a region doesn't give you what you need, does not fill you cup, does not allow you to behave in such a way where you treat yourself as your own mental point of origin, it's okay to leave. You don't have to stay somewhere. And I think the notion of, you know, putting up with crap is something that some guys are starting to realize that they don't need to do anymore. Um, and that's fine. Yep. So I'd invite you to check out his resources. I think he's got a great channel. He puts out interesting content. And thank you again, Andrew. Mike, can I speak to that for one second? Right, I appreciate it. Yeah, yeah. I mean, so I've I've talked once or twice about the, you know, the the social side of things. I agree with what you're saying. I think I've been misinterpreted in the past because what I what my opinion on it is is you know for the red pill community, uh, you don't have to spend your life in misery. I understand there's a lot of bad stuff going on in in where you are in the U.S. and what have you. I understand it's uncomfortable for a lot of guys. But you know the, the opportunity is, we've talked about all the financial and the immigration benefits here. I can promise you that the social world is different in other countries too. And you know, if you wanna stay where you're at and you wanna make excuses uh, and you wanna you know, not do anything about this, that's certainly your option. I, I decided, one thing you said, you know, about as I get older, I don't wanna be angry. I don't wanna be frustrated. I don't wanna be picking fights with people. I don't wanna be like angry at the US government. I just wanna be free and doing my own thing. And I think that if you're not being treated well in your personal life, there are also places where you can go and you can find people who appreciate you, find people who share your values. Um, and, and that's what I've said historically that I think it's been sometimes taken out of context by people who, who just want to be frustrated. You don't have to be, and you probably shouldn't be. Yeah, that's a, that's a really great closing point. So on that note, I think we'll end it. Thanks.